The vault is open. I'm Pete McCarthy. It's one of the greatest Game 7s in World Series history. Maybe the greatest. Yankees-Pirates, the 1960 World Series. In this edition of The Vault, you'll hear a recap of everything that Bill did to the dramatic ending and the bottom of the eighth on in its entirety. Following the game, stay tuned to hear from the hero of the most dramatic finish in World Series history. First, a backstory. Entering the 1960 World Series, the Yankees were a juggernaut. Those star teams of the 1950s still largely intact, with Mickey Mantle, Yogi Berra, and Whitey Ford all still in the fold. The mighty pinstripers had won eight of the previous 13 World Series and entered winners in 15 straight regular season games. The Pirates, well, they didn't quite have the history of the Yankees. Prior to their appearance in 1960, they hadn't been to the series since 1927, a span of 33 years. That season, they lost to the famous Murderer's Row Yankees. The Pirates' last World Series championship had come two years prior to that. The series was widely expected to be a formality for the Yankees, and it was anything but. The Pirates and Yankees split the first six, though the stats hardly appeared even. New York outscored Pittsburgh 46-17 and outhit them 78-49, yet the Pirates were still in it. Pittsburgh actually had a three-games-to-two series lead, but Whitey Ford tossed a complete game shutout in Game 6, leading the way for a 12-0 Yankee victory and a Game 7. With more fans huddling outside Forbes Field than could fit inside it, we go to Pittsburgh to set things up. Jim Woods and Hall of Fame broadcaster Bob Prince set the lineups and scene.
everybody. Well, it's all set. They're getting ready to go in game seven. One thing, Bob, uh, the New York press has gathered around Vernon Law before the game, and of course the main question about the ankle. The Deacon, who is as honest as the day is long, said it hurts. It hurts to walk on it, but you'd have to tie me up not so you'd let me start this ball game. Well, that's exactly right, and the injured that uh, we're getting ready to go in a little scuffle that's uh, on the plane and exuberation coming out of Milwaukee when one of the Pirate players tried to grab him and pull him out of the seat and doused him with some water, and he held on tightly and accidentally twisted that ankle. And it's bothering him a little bit, but he's in there nonetheless and ready to go. I'm a little surprised that Charlie's starting myself. Uh, he only won nine games through the year. He had his physical problems. And that's exactly what Pittsburgh would do, striking against Turley and the Yankees in the first inning behind the bat of Rocky Nelson. One ball, one strike, no score in the bottom half of the first inning in this seventh and final game of the 1960 World Series. Turley checks his runner about skinny. Another check over at first base, and now to fix the Nelson front on, and there goes a long drive. It's deep in the right field. It's going right down the right field line. Going back is Roger Maris. You can kiss it goodbye. wasn't long for the game, allowing a leadoff single in the second and immediately being replaced by Bill Stafford. Stafford was able to induce a 1-2-3 double play out of the pitcher law to ease a bases loaded nobody out situation, but the rally was hardly finished. Meanwhile, on the Pittsburgh mound, Vern Law pitched well despite the injury, allowing only two hits through the first four innings. In the fifth, he surrendered a blast to Bill Moose Scourin, and after allowing the first two batters to reach in the sixth, Law was pulled for forkballer Elroy Face. Face retired Roger Maris, but things deteriorated quickly against a pair of future Hall of Famers.
but they've gone after him now, and the Yankee power has asserted itself, and you can feel the gloom that has fallen over the ballpark here at Fort Field. Affording the Yankees bats dimes to make that comeback was Bobby Shantz. The five foot six lefty entered to start the third and allowed only one hit and one walk at his first five fantastic frames. In the seventh inning, it was Bill Mazeroski up with one out and the potential tying run at first base. Maz would get himself another shot, as you'll hear, but we'll get to that in a bit. In the eighth inning, the Yankees adding insurance. Here's Blanchard stepping in now. Two men on, two men out. All his trouble started with two outs. Blanchard in the ballgame has been handled well by both Vernon Law and Elroy Face. He's 0 for 3. And here's the first pitch to Blanchard. Lang into the hole on toward right center field. Somebody coming over, trying to cut it off. Here is Sarah around third. He's coming on in to score, and on into third base goes Bill Starr and the Yankees now lead 6 to 4. Here's the pitch to Boyer. Line down the left field line. It is a fair ball down into the corner. Being pursued by Skinner. Raining down at Forbes Field, the Pirates trailing 7-4, heading into the bottom of the eighth. And time for me to step aside. Here's the remainder of the game uninterrupted. Now and see what we can do. We're down three points, as we used to say in the old trade. And we got Gino Simoli, the happy uh, young man from San Francisco, stepping in. Welcome to the area, Simoli. Looking over Shams, who's been on since the second inning. Thank you. 
big game. This, this game wouldn't even be played if it wasn't for the fact they missed the signal. All right, Shams is ready, and here's the pitch to Burton as the high top ball down to Tony Kubak. Hits it. The ball is down and goes Kubak. And everybody's going to be safe. And Kubak is down. Bob Arkham's going to see where that ball is. I got the feeling it got him to throw it away. He grabbed himself and looked to me like he backed up just a fraction to let that ball fire pop. So I see the trainer for the Yankees will by the second mile. He's going to be coming out of the box. And uh, he uh, looked to me like he got struck right in the throat with that ball.
nothing else but like this, and uh, all I want to see Hal Smith do is just get a little old, how about a broken bat single? Just any little old rinky-dink to get it going. Well, he just took a ball a little bit outside. One ball, one strike. Top half of the ninth inning, and Danny Murphy. 
everybody, Law and Friends and Paddocks, they're all starters. And the Yankees have done likewise with Turley and Chance and Terry and Stafford and company. I guarantee you they're going out of soup and ale. The Buckos on top by a score of 9 to 7. But now the Yankees have two on and none out here in the top half of the ninth inning. And Roger Maris, a very dangerous batter, standing in. Roger really ripped into one back in the fourth inning. Roberto and him described all the down after a running hard catch. And Elroy Pace got him to foul out to Don Hook at third. So now, Roger Maris is 0 for 4. Look out for this guy. Having catches his runner out of second base, delivers a fastball on the inside corner for strike. Harris leading by a score of 9 to 7 in the seventh game of the World Series. Harris coming from way back. Got in front early, 4 0. Then saw it chipped away to 4 to 1. Then saw the lead disappear and he'd get harder. Now come a roaring back with 5. This comes down to Maris, up inside for the ball. Two men on, nobody out. Roger Maris, not real swung to the right. Roberto Clemente hugging way down the line. Rocky Nelson not holding on the runner way down the deep line. Now Haddock checks his runner out at second. Delivers, and there's a high twisting foul ball going up behind home plate. Going back, getting under. He got it, and it went away. Little Bob and my rather brief seven-year career compared to yours. This is my fourth World Series, but I do believe this is the craziest ball game of all I've ever been in. Well, I don't know what else could be added to that one, Parson, as now stepping in as a guy that's going to be a switch hitter in this one, Mickey Mantle. He'll be batting right-handed in this one. And the mix thus far is two for four. He is just pounding the cover off the ball. Fly to center in the second inning, single the right in the fourth, beat out a chopper to short in the sixth, lined out hard to grow to the eighth, and now stands in here, batting right-handed. Against Harvey Haddix with two on and one out. The Bucks leading by a score of 9 to 7. Pitch from Haddix, low and inside for the ball.
about it. We got Mickey Mantle at first base and Gil McDougal is at third with one away. The Buckles leading nine eight in a riotous ball game. Pitch to Yogi Berra inside for a ball. Marty Haddix is on the leap of friend. He starts out with Turner Law, then Elroy Face, then Bob Friend, and now Harvey Haddix for all the money marbles and shots. Again the pitch to Berra. Up inside is ball two, two and oh. Third is Gil McDougall. Our first base is Mickey Mantle. Maddox has his sign now from Al Smith. Checks his runners. Here comes the pitch. Barra swings it. There's a hot smash down to first. Back into the rocket house. And steps on first. And Mantle slides back into first base. And the Yankees score the time run. Third, and uh, Cleet Boyer has moved from third to short. And Ralph 
Terry, the fifth Yankee pitcher, is on the mound. And Terry came in in the eighth inning and retired Don Hook in the fly ball to left. And he'll face Bill Nazaroski. And there's plenty of activity in the Pirates' bullpen for uh, our pitcher, Hardy Haddix, who's due up next. And he's coming up to this play. Big two of the Ralph Beckford.
In case you ever need to know a little trivia, the clock above the left field scoreboard at the time of the home run read 337. That was made famous by a photo of the home run ball in flight. After the game, broadcasters Bob Prince and Jim Woods then headed downstairs to a champagne-soaked clubhouse in search of the hero of the day. Here we are in a very tumultuous clubhouse. The Pittsburgh Pirates are the world champions of all of baseball. A year 1960 has to be about as great a year in the life of anybody. And Bill Mazeroski was the hero of the hour. Billy, there's no sense in saying it other than the fact you've got to be absolutely out of your mind. Well, I feel great about this whole thing. I tell you, I didn't think anything like this would ever happen. Thank you. 
Mazeroski would go on to have a very good career, accumulating over 2,000 hits, earning eight gold gloves, and winning another World Series with the Pirates in 1971 as a bench player. But his name would always be synonymous with the 1960 World Series, the only player in history to end a World Series Game 7 with a home run. Largely based on his accomplishment on that October afternoon, he was voted into the Hall of Fame by the Veterans Committee in 2001. As for the Yankees, well, they'd be fine winning the next two World Series and appearing in the next four. But this game was the final, managed as a Yankee by the great Casey Stengel. The old professor finished the Yankee portion of his managerial career with 1,851 wins in New York, seven World Series championships, and 10 pennants in 12 seasons. You also heard of the injury to Tony Kubek. The Yankees' shortstop was actually coughing up blood on the field after being hit in the throat with Verdon's chopper. Kubek would go to the hospital where he learned he had internal bleeding and a severely bruised vocal cord. Luckily for all of us, his voice recovered, and he was elected into the Hall of Fame as a broadcaster in 2009. Other interesting facts about Game 7, the Pirates scored 10 runs while leaving just one runner on base. Also, not one strikeout was recorded in the series' ultimate game. If there are any games, events, or players you'd like to hear more about, send me an email at pete.mccarthy at mlb.com. Thanks so much for listening. The Vault is closed.